Welcome again to another episode of Coaching for Profit. I'm Brandon Moore, the CEO of BKM PC, Certified Public Accountants. Today we have a, a special guest, uh, Dustin Heiner. He's uh, the author of several books and uh, a podcaster, a blogger. Um, he's been, let me uh, read off some of his bio information just so that I don't get it wrong. He's... <clears throat> He's the founder of Master Passive Income and Successfully Unemployed. Uh, he quit his job when he was 37 years old, uh, which, you know, everybody wants to do. And with his books, uh, courses, and coaching, he helps others people, other people quit their jobs and invest in real estate and passive income businesses. Uh, welcome, Dustin. Glad to have you here. Hey, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I just love being able to get on podcasts and talk to great people like you and to really just share how business and becoming financially independent really just, it changes my life. It changed my life so that I can play with my kids more. I could coach little league. I can go to the gym, whatever I want. I'm basically not worried about my finances. So I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about uh, you and your story is your why um, in, in most entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs until <laughs> Until they they really understand their why, they're never going to pull the trigger. They're never going to get to that next level, but you found your why. Tell us a little bit about your why and what made you make that decision. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll go to the end, but then I'll go right back to the beginning. So the very end, like you said, I quit my job when I was 37 years old. And so after buying property after property, building businesses, you know, real estate investing as well as creating businesses... I had enough money coming in that I didn't need to work anymore. So I was blessed to be able to, to quit my job. So that was 37 years old, but I'll quickly go back to the beginning. So I've always been entrepreneurial in my life. You know, growing up, I had a newspaper route. That's where you ride around a bicycle with bags of newspapers and you throw them at 5 a.m. and bang on garage doors, yeah. waking people up. I did that. I even had a graphic and website design company. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I had a pizzeria and a convenience store, like all these businesses starting up from scratch because I love business, but I was always taught and we're always taught this. You go to school, get good grades. Then you go to right. college, get good grades, get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. And then you take that piece of paper, that degree that you get, and you go to a hopeful employer, or employer that you're hopefully going to get a job for. And you walk up and said, hey, can, here's my degree. Can I get a job? And then you work 40, 50 years and then hopefully retire on what you saved those entire 40 or 50 years on what you're barely earning. So I was doing that at the same time because that's all I was taught. And so I was working a regular nine to five job and it's a county government in California. And it was a net normal sit down desk job. And I was doing fine. I was doing the corporate thing or, you know, quote unquote corporate thing at the government yeah. um, thinking I'm going to be working there for 50 years. At the same time, having businesses, and I bought one or two rental properties at the time, and I knew in the back of my mind that I needed to, to become an investor and just buy more properties, but life gets in the way. My why hadn't solidified in my brain, and so life got in the way. So my wife and I started having kid after kid, and if you can watch this, you can see in my background, you can see my kids um, in the background. I have four kids now, but what happened was, I, this is what catapulted me into becoming a business owner buying real estate and investing was I was working the right nine to five job. My wife had kid after kid. Eventually we had our fourth child. And when my wife had her our fourth child, when she had it, um, Faith, our youngest of four, I went on paternity leave. That is where a dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and <laughs> bonds with the baby. 
And then after about two weeks, I go back to work and I get back to work. And that week that I am back at work on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary, the, the top dog. His secretary calls me and says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? And I said, sure. And I hung up the phone and I paused for a second. And I thought, oh my goodness, like, this is weird. This is not normal. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. I've seen plenty of movies. This, this can't be good. And then I started thinking about a month or two prior for me going on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumbling going on that there could potentially be layoffs in the county. And I immediately shook that off. I'm like, no, I'm climbing the corporate ladder. My, I've been here 12, 13 years. Great seniority. My bosses love me. There's no way I'm going to get laid off. So I shook that off. But then I get up <laughs> and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, Brandon, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's kind of short. But every single step that I took, it felt like the hallway got longer and longer and longer. And my feet felt like they became lead bricks. Like I could barely walk because the weight of potentially losing my job started getting heavier and heavier on my mind. And so I might get down the hallway and then I turn the corner and then I see my boss's door. His door's closed and I see a secretary there and she, and she looks at me and she kind of grins and sheepishly she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's right. going on. I know nothing about what's going on. So I go and I take my seat and I sit there and I start thinking about my life and thinking about, oh man, I've worked so hard to have a quote unquote career. If this is taken away from me, was all that a waste? All college and working this job, was that a waste of my life? And then I start thinking, oh, if I can't make money, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to put a roof over her head? Does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man trying to provide for his family? So well, as feelings. I'm sitting there, oh, it was horrible. My hands got all clammy. My foreheads got all sweaty. And then the door to my boss's office opens up. And out walks a lady, a coworker of mine, with a piece of paper in her hands. She is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you could tell her words have been devastated. She walks by me, and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into my office? And I get laid off. And remember, this is the county government. This is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid up from the government, <laughs> but right. I did. So if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody and everybody. Well, Brandon, I take that layoff notice, and I walk down that short hallway to my desk, and I sit down at my desk, and I realize two things sitting there at my desk. Number one, I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. I need to be able to make sure that they have food on the table. So I was really, really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, a whole nother department to work there. And that was great. So I was really, really blessed to get that. But yeah. sitting in a chair, the second thing that I realized right then and there, and this is some, the reason why I tell the story is I want everybody to realize this too, that I, as I was sitting there, I needed, realize, or I needed to make sure that nobody had the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. I need to make sure this never ever happened to me again. So right then and there, I realized that my value does not come from my job. My value comes from my God, from myself, and from my family. And as I'm sitting there, I realized whenever anybody would ask me the question, Dustin, what do you do? I would answer, oh, I work for the county. I do IT work for the county. I'm basically projecting my value as my job, as right. opposed to anything else. And so I realized that whenever anybody asked me that question, I will 100% say, I am an investor. I am now an investor. It may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. 
I am a full-time investor. So fast forward the story. I got started working on this new job, started buying property after property after property, building the business to make sure that I was making profit every single month from every single property, a minimum of $250 or more from every single property. After I had 30 plus properties, I was like, like, like four or five years later, I was like, you know what? I can quit my job. I don't need to work here. So I'll round up the story by sharing. I walked to my, bo- my new boss, great boss and everything, walked to my new boss and said, hey, boss, I'm laying you off. Like, here's your two weeks notice, <laughs> you know, basically quitting. And my boss says, Dustin, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I own real estate. I have businesses. They make me money without working. So last part of the story, if you remember that story where I walked down that short hallway, they got longer and longer and longer. Well, this last time I walked away from my job to my car, it was a mile and a half walk, done it a thousand times. And I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew I would never, ever need a job again. And everybody here listening and watching this, you need to realize that your value is so much more than anybody can ever pay you. And here's how you'll know that. Your boss is just is paying you enough just to keep you working without quitting, but not so much that's taking money out of their pocket. When you realize that, you're going to realize that you can make so much money, more money for yourself and you'll feel, be more fulfilled in everything that you do. So all that now, my why is feeding my family, creating generational wealth for my kids and leaving yeah. a lasting legacy for everything. And so for me, every business that I build, every rental property I buy, if I invest in gold or silver, buy stocks, I'm looking what I can do for my future in my family, creating generational wealth because you can't, give your job to your kids. That's right. You can't do that. It's, it's literally impossible. Your boss will let you do that. But you can give your real estate to your kids. You can give your businesses to your kids. Now I have, I want to say five or six businesses now that I'm literally having my kids work in there so that I can easily have them take over and literally just give it to them. So I'll let you ask yes. you. probably got plenty of questions, but that's how I created my, or I got to my why. And it was like a punch in the face but now I'm so blessed because now I can literally stand here and be on podcasts and just not work for somebody else. That's right. It's great. I, I, I was reading your book yesterday and, and I, I got through most of it in one day, which is a very few books I've ever done that with. But um, it's not that your book is a short book. It's just that I just was just rolling <laughs> through the chapters. And one of the things that I, I loved was, is, is as employees and as people, we need to stop trading our, our time for dollars. In any business, as a business owner, I know that a lot of CPAs build by the hour. And when you do that, when you trade time for dollars, you lose because you're worth more than that. And as a business owner, uh, when I bill, I don't bill based on the hour. I based on the value of the service provided. Um, and and we've got a couple of different subscriptions now that you can pay for a monthly fee and get tax compliance, your returns prepared, tax planning, IRS representation, financial planning, business coaching. And so uh, all of those things, you know, add value to you as the, the, the client. But I love that about your, your book is it just get out of that rat race by stop trading time for dollars. Absolutely. And that's what happens when you know, a lot of us can easily go from having one boss at a job create a business, but then trade that one boss for many little bosses. Like our customers are basically our little bosses. And it's easy to get in the trap of just being a a sole proprietor and just keep going from job to job to job. That's what you're really thinking is, 
each little next job is another boss that you have to have answer to. So as you build a business, as you create passive income, think, how can I work one time and make that one time get paid over and over and over again? Hiring yeah. people, hiring the right people. Like working one time for me is hiring somebody one time that's going to do a great job to make me money. And so I hire people for two things, two reasons, uh, really, and only two reasons, to make me money or make my life easier. And so if they don't fit one of those things, then it's time for them to move on or we have to figure out how we can make them fit that. But that's what we want to do is look into creating more passive income and creating businesses that employ other people. Like not everybody should be a business owner. There are lots and lots, maybe 75% of the population should just be employees. They'll, they'll be great at that. They love doing that. That's what they want to do. But people like us, Brandon, right. and people listening, we are, we're motivated. We're, I wouldn't say risk takers. We are okay. We tolerate risk that we know we're calculating that risk, that we can start a business, we can employ people, and we understand the business model. Like my real estate investing, I knew that if I created a business that owns real estate, and this is what is interesting. When I first started investing, I did it wrong because I was listening to the quote unquote gurus. The people, I, I, it was 2006 when I first got started. I watched one of those 2 a.m. infomercials. Hey, we're coming to your town. It's going to be free. And you just come and listen. I went there and it was just this hype sales pitched. Now run to the back and go this thousand dollars. It's usually $20,000, but we're only sold two for a thousand. Um, I paid that first thousand. And then I went to their two day seminar. That was all another sales pitch for another 40,000 or a 50,000 or $60,000 thing. So what I fast forward from that, I actually bought my first property and I did it the wrong way. And this I'll quickly go over the wrong, what the wrong way is. And the right way is building the business first, which I'll go into in just a second. The wrong way, they said, okay, find a property anywhere in the country. Doesn't matter where you live. You can find out of state. Then you run the numbers to make sure you're going to make a little money in passive income, $40, $50 a month in passive income, but you'll get appreciation. Well, now I personally don't invest for appreciation. Remember, I'm creating generational wealth, That's right. businesses, real estate, giving it to my kids so that they can have it. But then they say, okay, now you, then you spend thousands of dollars fix, or, you know, buying it up. Then you spend, you find somebody to fix it up. Then you spend thousands of dollars of fixing it up. And then you find a tenant and then you find a property manager. In my opinion, that's literally just about backwards. I did that. And my property manager that I found within six months started stealing from me. It was horrible. Yeah. Now, if I would have let that deter me, I would not have continued to be where I am today. But what I did do, if you remember, I said, I've always been entrepreneurial in my life. I've always loved business. I've always loved building businesses. In fact, I'm the most happy when I'm building businesses. Right. And so I approached it differently. I said, okay, they're telling me this way that I just explained. That's the wrong way. What's the right way? So I approached it as a business mindset. I said, okay, I'm going to start building a business first and then having that business buy the real estate. Now, this is exactly what it looks like. If you're going to start a convenience store, you know, a convenience store, you know, candy bars and soda, soda machines and stuff like that, well, if you're going to do that, you're not going to sign a lease for a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there. You're not going to do that. You go out of business in two seconds. But what you would do is you would build the business first. And what that looks like is you would get the gondolas. So those are shelving units that all the candy bars go on. You get the countertops, the cold storage, fountain machines, cash registers, employees, bank accounts, insurance. You'd get all of that done in the business before you buy any inventory. Then once that's done, you buy the inventory and put it into the business and then have the business run itself because you've already done all the, all the legwork, the hard work to get it done. Same thing with real estate investing, same thing with any business. We want to find, we, and find and build the entire business first 
before we buy any inventory. So what I do with my real estate investing in every business that I create from now on is I approach it like, who do I need to run the business? Who do I need to make sure I get money to buy the properties? Who do I need to find the properties to fix up the properties? So I find the property managers, the wholesalers, the realtors, the plumbers, the roofers, inspectors, insurance agents, mortgage brokers. I find all these people before I buy any properties. Then instead of what the gurus, quote unquote gurus will tell you, your property is your business. No, no, no. Your business owns inventory. Right. My properties that I own is now inventory that I put in my business. And then the business that I created, it's passive income because I now have those people who are working in the business. They are the ones making everything run in my business. And I'll give you a quick, I'll, I'll let you talk in just a second. I, I, one <laughs> last thing. I just created another business called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And Brandon, obviously you were there. Fantastic helping all the people with their all the taxes and everything. And so um, with that conference, I realized I wanted to create a passive income business here with this real estate wealth builders. So I did a lot of work in the front end, creating the entire business. But then I hired people like the event planner, core, um, uh, community manager to help make sure people were connected. Um, the event planner literally did everything. I had she had employees that were working around here. So walking around the conference, people said, "Hey, Dustin." you look so relaxed. I'm like, well, it's because I'm having so much fun talking to people and I've hired other people to do all the work. So I don't have to worry about that. So fast forward to now, only thing I do now is I create passive income businesses so that I can make money without working. That's awesome. And, and did you have any mentors or coaches in, in the beginning that, because for me, I mean, I had two or three, it was, it was a, one of the pastors at my church uh, he was the Indiana Jones of real estate, uh, or I'm sorry, of mission work. And, and he would go to Morocco and Africa and all these other places to awesome. share the gospel and in places that you could you know, die for doing it. Uh, um, praise the Lord. But the way he funded his business was through real estate uh, or his, his mission work Love was through it. real estate. Work, and yeah. so yeah. Um, I just bugged him for three years about every aspect of how he invests and what he, what to look for and how to do this, how to do that. And he said, Brandon, you know, at some point you're going to have to pull the trigger. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, and and he helped me do, he, he was also a realtor on the side. So he helped me buy my first property. So for you, was there any, any mentor or coach or, or person that, that, that you looked up to or that you, I know you went to the gurus, but obviously they, they weren't the one. I went to the gurus once. Once yeah. and then I realized they have no idea. They're <laughs> just trying to sell sell things. That's all they're trying to do. Right. Um, not all of them, but the, especially the one I was at. That was definitely sales. So, and I appreciate the question. You know what's interesting? I I tried to find mentors. Not very like hard. Like really, really kind of the pavement. My mentors were books. There weren't very many podcasts back when I I started in two thousand six sure. before the crash. And here's the great thing: I figured out how to make money whether the market goes up, the market goes down, or the market goes sideways, because I invest for rent. I'm each one making $250 a month in passive income from every single property. So back then, I was listening to audiobooks. I was reading books. I was trying to do everything. There, there weren't these, uh, you know, like all my podcasts, my Master Passive Income podcast, it's literally just me teaching how to do this real estate investing. I rarely do interviews just because it's literally just me teaching because I just want to give it out. But here's the sad thing. I couldn't find any mentors. But the great thing now with the internet and everybody just trying to help each other out. There's so many more resources now. So for me, yes. I went to books. 
I went to audiobooks and don't get me wrong, like books and audiobooks are still the right way to go. But if you could find a mentor, if you could find a coach, somebody that's done it, that's not one of those scammy gurus, right. quote unquote gurus that are going to try to get you, you know, 40 or $50,000. And you'll be able to get a sense. Like you might be thinking, well, how do I know which one's a guru that's going to steal my money or how somebody that actually genuinely cares? You'll get a sense, like just by listening to them, you'll get a sense like, hey, this person's rather helpful as opposed to just trying to take money. And then you'll see the price point when they're at like, uh, there's somebody, uh, Grant Cardone, I'll just go and say his name, Grant Cardone. I saw his coaching program is a hundred thousand dollars. I think for like, like three, six months or something like that. A hundred thousand dollars. What? No, like, uh, I, I get it. Your time's worth a lot, but I, it, that's if just, that's just that, what do you do? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now what I, even though I, I honestly, it was through the school of hard knocks. I would not recommend that my, my education by doing it and losing money and then figure out that didn't work and doing it right. And right. putting that into my business. Now I teach that with master passive income, like, you know, coaching and all that sort of stuff, showing people how to do that. I do group coaching, one-on-one coaching because people just started coming after me saying, Justin, can you show me how to do it? I'm like, sure, I could do that. And after yeah. a while, I realized my wife is saying, hey, you're giving a lot of your time away for free. Like, if you're just going to give it away for free, come hang out with us. Like, just hang out with the family. You don't need to give it away for free. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll start charging. But fast forward to now, I'm so blessed with all the businesses, uh, my real estate holdings, everything that I have. Now, I'm having other people, like especially people in my church, asking me, well, I want to be able to serve in my church. And here's the great thing for me, pausing that really quickly about other people coming to me. In my church, I literally have unlimited time, quote unquote, unlimited time. But I, have, I don't have a 40 hour week job in right. order to uh, get a workaround to go serve the church. I can go serve the church as much or as little as I want. And for me, it's as much as I can. I love serving in the church. And so I have a prayer ministry that I'm heading up. I have up Awana, which is a Bible memorization, mm-hmm. uh, things for kids. I do a lot of other things like uh, young marriage classes. I can just serve so much because I don't have to worry about the money. The money's already taken care of. I worked hard to get there. Now I'm blessed to have, I want to say at least half a dozen men that are talking to me, asking me questions. I'm mentoring them so that they can get to the point where they can do ministry without having to worry about the money coming in. So yeah, I wish I had somebody like that. It was a hard work without it, but now I'm blessed to be able to do that for other people. Yeah. And books are a fantastic resource. I, 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 probably read, I don't know, I, don't, I didn't count, maybe 25 to 50 a, a year. I don't I don't really know. But I, I just try to absorb as much as I can from other people because uh, I don't know who said it, but uh, when you read a book, you learn from other people's mistakes without having to make them yourself. Totally. And so those, and I have a chapter in my, my, my new book that's coming out probably in the summer um, the beginning of wealth, one of the wealth behaviors is a lifestyle of learning. And I believe in a lifestyle of learning. And, and today there's so much available, your podcasts, courses, books. I mean, that just wasn't around 20 years ago. When I started, it was in 2000. And uh, there was not any anything no, around wasn't. except for books. There's a, uh, there's a guy named Gosh, I don't know what his name is, but he he sold a course on how to do no money down, and uh, and I, I actually inherited it from a, a CPA firm that I bought, had it in the closet, and so I looked through it a little bit and was like, I, I don't think this is going to work here. And then I, I found some mentors that actually did the stuff 
that I was wanting to do. And that was that that really helped quite a bit. But again, you know, I had to learn on my own uh, what they didn't have, what they couldn't tell me. I had to learn on my own. So I want to talk a little bit about your coaching and courses. And I guess you've, you've already kind of mentioned that is, is what began the podcasting and coaching and courses? What was the catalyst that said, okay, I've, I've know enough now that I think I can share that and pass that on. I came down to, I had, when I was quitting my job, I would tell everybody, Hey, I'm able to quit my job. They're like, how in the world are you able to do that? And that question is easy. I have, I invest in real estate. I have rental properties, 30 plus rental properties now, and I don't have to work anymore. And each one making me a minimum of $250 a month. And they were like, Oh, wow. And the second question always comes, can you show me how to do that? And so <laughs> friends and family members and church, uh, church members that I would be hanging out with would ask me these questions and I'd be teaching them one-on-one. And with that teaching of one-on-one, I realized that I, number one, I enjoyed it. Number two, I knew what I was talking about. Number three, people were getting results from it. And then the last thing I realized was like, oh my goodness, this takes so much time. Like one-on-one coaching from this, from the ground without having any books or anything to point to people, Hey, read this first and then come talk to me. That took so much time because I literally every time had to do it over and over again. From that, I realized there's got to be a better way to help more people. And so my goal now is to help as many people as I can to invest in real estate. So first thing I did, I think I started the blog. I started writing a blog so people Mm -hmm. can read that. But then I wrote a book. My first book was How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties. I know I'm not that creative in titles. It's straightforward, (laughs) right to the point. But How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties. And I wrote it so I can literally give it to people. Because people come to me and say, hey, how do I do this? And they have great questions but they're beginner questions, great questions, but beginner ones. I'd say, here, read my book. I'll give it to you for free. Like, here you go. Read it. When you're done, come back to me. You'll have better questions that apply to you specifically. Then from that fast forward now, podcast, YouTube channel, courses, coaching, even a membership where I have group coaching together, um, all that combined, it's just a fun thing for me to do now. And also from that, from the uh, initial idea of helping people to creating all these other you know, podcasts and everything. Now I even have a conference now, the Real Estate Wealth Builder Conference, which you were a part of. It was so, so amazing to get so many great investors together. We're all helping each other out, creating a great community of people saying, hey, here's, some, here's a great resource. Like these sponsors are great resources. Go and use them like your company, Brandon. And at the same time, let's help educate and coach people. So fast forward to now, it was literally me finding out, number one, I enjoyed talking about it and enjoyed something and was good at it. And people were asking me about how I did it so that they could learn. That was like, oh, this is a no brainer. So I jumped right into it. Yeah. And I, I did that for years is sharing what I knew and, and helping people find out, you know, how to, how to do step by step before I realized, you know, I probably should charge for this. <laughs> seriously years and years and years of doing it and thinking um maybe i should actually you know charge for this experience that i've got here's yeah i i do got have to say because i do get some people say well if you're such a and this is more of a selfish uh question on their part uh i think so um they would say hey you're so rich with real estate why don't you just give away this stuff for free and two big reasons come up Number one, let's say this person is, they lay, they lay tile for free or like they, their, their business or their company or they work for and they lay tile. 
That's their job. And say, well, why don't you come work for me for free laying tile? Like, no, I get paid to do that. See, I mean, like your time is valuable. So that's number one. My time, my wife would just say, hey, come hang out with us. Go fishing, go do whatever you want instead of giving away the time. That's number one. But the number two thing that is so, it's sad and crazy at the same time. I have given my courses, my coaching, I have literally given it to more than dozens of people, like 20, 30 people, friends and people that I meet. I've given it away. I said, here's my course. People pay me thousands of dollars. I will literally coach you one-on-one on top of that. People pay me thousands of dollars on top of that. What's sad, guess how many, what percentage would you say actually follow through when I give them literally everything? Yeah, if you don't value it, you won't do it. If it didn't cost Zero. you something, yeah. Yes, none. None of them have actually gone through with it to invest in real estate of the ones that I've given it away. Now, the ones that pay me money, like you said, Brandon, they need, they, it didn't cost them anything. So there's no skin in the game. There's yeah. nothing that's like, hey, I'm going, to, I need to do this. Like if you're actually, uh, if you can see this, I have a guitar in the background right there. And so that guitar, so yeah, there you go. I say yours too, Brandon. So that guitar, a friend taught me this. He said, hey, because I told him, I, he's a really good uh, musician. I want to learn how to play guitar. He goes, okay, if you, I'll show you how to do this. But what you need to do, and that was a college student at the time, do not buy a $50 guitar. That's going to be the worst thing. You'll hate playing it. It'll sound horrible. You'll put it underneath your bed and you'll never, ever play it. You need to That's force right. yourself to save money to buy this, this guitar. I want to say it was like $1,500 at the time. Um, and this was like 12, no, 20 years ago, like a long time, 20 years ago. So I, 1500 bucks, I saved money and I bought the guitar. And guess what? When that guitar was sitting uh, without me playing it, I realized I wasted $2,000. I better go ahead and start playing it. And I started playing yeah. it because I knew my skin was in the game. I made sure that I paid money so that I would do it. So fast forward to now, if you don't put any skin in the game, you don't have anything pushing you to actually do it. No, you don't. That's a, that's a lesson that the very similar lesson I learned from one of my pastors, who's a fantastic guitar player. Uh, he would tell people, listen, if you want to get your kids involved and you don't buy them the cheap one, cause they'll hate it. And yep. I love, I love the next level is make them save up for it because if they don't, if it didn't cost them anything, then they won't pursue it. I love that. That's exactly the, that's, that's a great a, point. Great analogy yeah, for, for investing as well. I love that. My, my kids are playing the piano and we, they've been playing the piano for like two years now and we haven't had them save up for it and they enjoy it. So that's a good idea. I'll talk to my wife about doing something like that, <laughs> encouraging them, save up your money so that you can help pay for the piano lessons. That's right. Um, so as a, as a real estate investor, um, a lot of uh, people have different ways of investing in real estate. I mean, there's so many ways. And I was going to ask you before, did you learn any new ways at this conference? Because I know I did. Uh, I know I thought <laughs> I thought I knew everything there was to know about real estate investing until I went. And this just the creativity that's there was amazing. Tell me about that. Yeah, totally. So at RubeCon or the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, um, it, I learned so much about different ways to invest. Absolutely. Now, I love residential homes, which is four units and below. I love that. It's my bread and butter. I know that really well. Everything from long-term, midterm, like traveling. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, traveling nurses is great too, where it's like six months at a time, even short-term like Airbnb. I love that. That's what I teach. That's what I know. I know that. 
But there are so many other things like from syndications, which is multifamily, um, passive investing, where you're doing other things with that money, uh, land investing, even buying properties subject to, I thought subject to was dead because mortgage companies would say, you cannot give somebody that lease or not lease the, the mortgage and have it subject to um, that. But they, they still, they figured out a way to do it. That was one big lesson that I learned. It's like, you can do, do like no money down with subject to, they okay. say, yes, we do it all the time. Like, that's so awesome. That's so yes, land investing and subject to are two things that I'm like, I'm going to be diving fully into. Yeah. And I wanted to get to that, that subject too, because um, I had clients years ago that, that did short selling, short selling, which that short selling is where you go to a, somebody that's in a distressed house. They're about to be foreclosed on and you either buy it from them uh, or buy it from the the lender at 92% of what, what they owe. And so you're, you're getting a discount and that's a short sale, but then they would also do subject to on the same transaction. And so that was to me a fantastic uh, combination of those two ideas on, on how to buy real estate. But I wanted to hear what they were talking about, but I was at, at my table talking to so many people about uh, what we do and what we can do for them as a CPA firm. So I'm waiting for those videos to come out. Um, I'm also a part of the DFW uh, real estate investors network. And, and they did a, um, they have these uh, resources of videos because every Saturday they have a class and one of those classes was on subject two. And so they have that resource there, um, which Again, the resource, the amount of resources that are available today, did they kind of make you mad? <laughs> <laughs> totally, I would have, I would have saved a ton of money not doing things the wrong way. So absolutely, yeah, yeah not doing things the wrong way. But you know, praise the Lord, we're, we're we are where we are. And Amen. I always uh, there's a uh, a guy, a, a evangelist in in. Uh, Texas used to say all the time, I'm not where I, I, I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And, and that's exactly totally. right. So is there, is there anything new coming down? Like for you, are you trying something new? Are you starting new businesses? Are you starting? I know you said you are, and this Rubicon was a new venture for you. I'm glad that worked out. I'm, I look forward to the next one. I uh, can't wait. And then but for real, for investing in real estate, any new ways that you're going to try out this year? Definitely land investing. That's something that I've always talked about, or my wife and I have been talking about doing, hey, we should invest in land. And I, I guess there's a term, and I learned this at RubeCon, um, talking to the land investors, I said, I think I just want to buy and hold on to the land, just, just own the land. And hopefully make some passive income, like maybe we have like, cattle grazing right. or a cell phone tower like that makes money. But I just literally just want to own land. And they call that land banking. I was like, mm. oh, okay, I'm going to try to learn land banking. There's so a term a, for a friend of mine. <laughs> there is, I know. <laughs> so a friend of mine who was a speaker at the conference, his name's Seth Williams. He has retipster.com, great site. Like he just gives away so, he's such a genuine person, gives away so much free content. But he also teaches how to, and coaches and has a course on how to do land investing. And so he and I were talking, I said, hey, Seth, how about I give you my course on rental properties if you can give me your course on, right. on uh, land investing? So now that RubeCon is over, like two weeks now, it's, I've been able to rest and try to 
let my brain rest a little bit. I'm now going to jump into learning land investing with his course and really jump all into it. And in fact, I met with uh, somebody who came to RubeCon. He reached out to me and said, hey, we're in the same city. How about we get some lunch? I'll buy you lunch. And I'm like, oh, that's nice of you. Sure. Normally, I don't just because in general, it's just like, that's just time taken up. And I was like, I have a lot of other things to do. And I get a lot of people offering, you know, take me to lunch or quote unquote, pick my brain. I'm like, oh, just it costs a lot of money to pick my brain because that's a lot of time <laughs> taken up. But um, he said he, he's a land investor. And I was like, oh, there's like a, a value add for me. It's not just coming to take for me. Like he wanted to help me and encourage me in land investing because he heard that I wanted to invest in land. So we got lunch, we got some awesome sushi and he paid. I was like, this is awesome. Like he, will, he wanted to give. And that's the thing about when you're networking, right. if you're always looking to take and take and take, people like Brandon, like you and I, we're gonna, we know when people are trying to just take from us and it's kind of, we just kind of shy away. But if somebody wants to give and help and be yeah. there for us for the things that we need, I'm so much more willing to say, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot, I'll go ahead and help you out. Yeah, it's off-putting when people are, are there with an agenda. And, and I, I met so many people there that I was just so interested in their, uh, like Jay Parker and his, oh, um, yeah. uh, I don't even remember what he calls it. It's, it's Co-op path. Co yes, uh, co-op living where you just have, uh, you rent multiple rooms in the same uh, property. And I'd heard a podcast on it like a month prior. I was like, that, that's a California thing. That's not, <laughs> that's not <laughs> something that we could do here. And then, and then he talked about it in, you know, Charlotte. I was like, okay, so now his, his method was way different. Like he has really high end uh, quality stuff that he puts in those homes. The person that I was listening to on the podcast, she was just basically, she would take the living room and put a closet in and put a wall up and, <laughs> and try to maximize her, her revenue per, per, uh, per house. But which is nothing wrong with that. It's just not something I was really interested in. Uh, oh, no. But I loved uh, that. Uh, that <clears throat> Anyway, I just loved going to and just hearing about and, and absorbing everything that somebody was. And of course, somebody wanted to hear about what I was doing. And I gave them a couple of of tips that I normally wouldn't share of, of, of how I find <laughs> property that's a little different than, than some of the people I've heard, but it was just a giving at atmosphere. And I just love that. Terrific. So I'm, I'm glad that it worked out well. Yeah, it was a, a definitely a great, great experience for me. And I'm next year, I'll probably bring one or two of my staff. I've given them a bunch of books to read and, and, and trying to get them understanding. Okay. We, this is going to, you know, any new staff that onboards needs to know that we're a real estate tax CPA firm. We're not just Love a, it. all, but we take all businesses, but our niche, our, our bread and butter, our, our expertise is in real estate. And so uh, getting new, new staff on board with that is a matter of training and books and culture and all that. But um Again, I don't know where I was going to go with that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And like I, I'm in, so what's it's at uh, March 31st right now. I still have not filled out my tax form that I have to give to my accountant, you know. And I'm yeah. like, I said, honey, I talked to my wife, can I just pay somebody to do this stuff? And she, you're already paying them to do the taxes. Like, this is something <laughs> you have to do, like write down the numbers of whatever it is. I'm like, there's right. got to be a way that I could. I hate taxes. I, well, I hate. I don't, I wouldn't say I hate numbers. I, I'm just not good at them. They, they like go in my brain and they flutter. They literally flutter away in my brain. Like it's just, it's sad. My brother, 
he is brilliant. Like he can do calculus in his head. It's just, it's sad. It's sad for me, like how yeah. smart he is and how stupid I am. So that's why if I can re- invest in real estate, if I could build businesses, anybody can do it. It's not rocket science. You just got to look at how you can serve people. But yeah, so fast forward, go, go back to like, me talking about my taxes. I got to do my taxes today. That's like, okay, got to do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah. It is a, it's one of those things. It's a love hate relationship with our clients. They, they, they love, they love us, but they hate the fact that it's a, a, around this, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we're the bringer of bad news and, and, and you just, oh, sure. just remember, it's not well, me that's taking this money from you. <laughs> it's the government. I'm not a big fan of the government either, but a hundred percent. Like I, there's not very many people that I enjoy paying, but my property manager, I definitely don't mind. I, in fact, I enjoy paying my property manager because they make my life easy. They run my business. I don't do That's anything right. and they do all the work. My accountant, what would take me literally an entire year to do, they do it in like three hours. And so I am glad to pay them money because they do things that I would not ever be able to do. You're good. Good. I'm glad we've got a positive, <laughs> there's, there's a positive feelings toward accountants there. Um, I was going to ask you about the the passive businesses that you invest in. Tell me about some of those and how they work and, and which ones work the best for you. So I found, well, the, the big um, overarching principle for the businesses that I'm creating that are passive income is serving people. And however that would look like, but the goal is to serve more and more and more people. The more people that I serve, the better my life gets, the better their lives get. Give you an example. For passive income, if I find a house that I can buy a house that is a good property, fix it up, make it nice, keep it at a decent rent so somebody can be blessed to be able to live in a good house at a decent rent uh, rent rate so it's not gouging them, I do that. And I'm serving more and more people. So that's a, a one great way of passive income. Another great way of creating passive income is serving people with my, let's say my podcast or my books or I, I try to serve people showing them how to invest in real estate. And with that, I make money from the book sales or, you know, people listen to podcasts for sponsors or going into my course and coaching. So I look to serve more people. But then the biggest thing is how do I either automate it or hire somebody else to do it? Same thing with, with RubeCon, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I created that business, but I knew I wanted to be passive income business where not necessarily passive, like you invest your money in, I'll give you an example. Another thing I'm investing is a syndication where syndications, you either multifamily, basically big, large scale uh, buildings. I recently just got involved with a hotel or two hotels, extended stay hotels, which I just give my money. And then passively, I make that money back. It's going to be a great return. I think like 12% return. In five years, we're looking to get 100% of our money back plus another 100% on top of that, or basically doubling our money. So that's another way. But when I look at how many more people I can, can I serve, syndication, you could serve a lot of people with a 200-unit apartment complex. Um, Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, that I can serve. Right now, we had 200 attendees at this conference. This next year, we're looking to get to like 600, or if not 800 attendees, like everybody. Like, And I'm not exaggerating with this. And Brandon, I, I know you would def- definitely attest to this. Um, 100% of the attendees without me even asking the first thing, Hey, how are you doing? How are you? How is everything for you? Like, what do you invest in? They say, Oh, I invest in land. And I want to tell you, this is literally how it comes out. I want to tell you, I love the conference. It was so amazing. I am 100% coming back and I'm bringing people next year. Like, wow. Like, that was without me even asking. I'm like, yeah. it was such so blown away because my goal was to serve 
the community, these investors. That was my goal. So from real estate rental properties that I have to my businesses coaching, to my uh, syndications where I'm investing my money, to real estate wealth builders conference, all these sort of things. I even have an I'll, I have a couple other businesses, but one I'll just share with you is a uh, workout programming like CrossFit and Olympic lifting. I love doing that stuff. I have a friend that is a coach. He loves coaching. And so we have another business where we're trying to serve more people to get physically fit as well. And so I found this is the overarching principle, serve as many people as you can. But then behind that, immediately behind that is creating the systems, the processes and automations in place and hiring the right people to run that business without me. Yeah, and that's that's a, a lot of that from uh, the E Myth revisited with Michael Gerber and you know working on your business instead of in your business and, and creating those systems and the processes monumental with any business owner. Um, I've had conversations with contractors years years ago. You know, they they worked for somebody else, decided to go out on their own, and I asked them, so what are the components of your pricing? And they were like, well, it's just uh, labor and materials. I said, well, you're not going to survive. If, <laughs> if you don't, if, if you're, because you will never be able to hire anybody if you're only having those three components. And you need to create some systems in your, in your, your methodology, even though it's just you right now, to where it, it, it can be transferred to somebody else and they could do the process. And so it's just one of those, You've got to, you've got to work on your business instead of in your business. And I love the the automation part. Yeah. And I do, I mean, that, what you just said reminded me of your, uh, another question about any mentors that I have. I'll give you an example of one mentor that I did have that was outside of business. So when I was, I don't know, 22, 23, I was at my church and I was working in the junior high ministry at my church and the pastor there, um, he's a couple of years older than I am but he was taught by his dad about leadership, about how to make a ministry run without you. Because the goal of ministry of church is, and the Bible says, to raise up the saints to do the ministry of the church, raise them up to do the work. And so his dad taught him how to lead people, how to build something that runs without you. And now, obviously, I extrapolate that for business, and I figure out how to do that for business. But quickly going back to the ministry, I took over as the um, the junior high pastor. I didn't want to be full-time. I knew I was more called to the business world. And so I said, I'll hold the fort. I'll be interim until you find somebody else. So I stepped in as interim junior high pastor. And as I was doing that, I took the same lessons that uh, the pastor before me taught me that he learned from his dad. And I implemented it so that the ministry was so much better than when I found it. I had people working in it so that when I left, it was already a well-running machine. Then going into business, I employ that same type of methodology or thinking that right. my goal is to make this run without me. I want to be able to build a business, empower people to do the work that they want to do, pay them well, so that I can literally just step away and let the business and the machine run on its own. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's the, Any business owner, that if you heard that today, that's going to help you. If you didn't know it before, that right there is worth the podcast. <laughs> All right, so um, let's get into my rapid fire questions, questions I ask a lot of people. That uh, I say a lot of people, the other three people that we've had <laughs> on, <laughs> on this podcast. And so it's our uh, rapid fire. It's, so give me the top three books that everyone in business should read. My first book that I 
know that changed my life. Most people read it, but I have to say it because it's fantastic. Uh, is uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki because that got me out of the thinking. Remember, I told you my original thinking. I was running the rat race. I was going whatever, get a job or go to school, yeah. go to college, get a thousand debt, and, and get a job. Then retire when you're forty years later. I thought that. I thought we had to earn for a living. That really pushed me out of that set. Passive income, businesses, and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Great. Praise the Lord, you got that book. The next book that I absolutely love is The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clausen. Fantastic book. And the reason why I love that book, it's a fictional book, but teaches principles that are brilliant principles. Yes. So that those two coupled together really Great open your mind. A hundred percent. Absolutely. The third book that I love, I, I want to say I've either read it or listened to the audiobook like at least half a dozen times, if not more, is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale. Is it Dale Carnegie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Amazing book. Like this really helped me to realize that, you know, obviously scripture, uh, uh, um, James chapter four, verse six says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I'm like, my goodness, I when I have to read that before I read these other books, I read that and I said, I don't want God opposing me. Oh my goodness, I better not be proud. And so I prayed and read more scripture and tried to figure out how to be not proud or prideful as well as being humble. But then after reading these other books, like the How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's all about other people. That's all right. about uh, focusing and serving and helping other people. All three of those books, if you read those three, that'll set you on an amazing trajectory to really serve people and create businesses that serve even more people that make your lives better and make their lives better. Yeah, that's what I said earlier. We're in business to solve a problem. Yeah. And the, 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 if you can find a problem that needs to be solved, you'll, you'll do well, especially if you do it with a servant's heart. Uh, favorite 80s hair band. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I would have to say that um it seems like I listen to even being a Christian, I, I listen to these guys because I work out and it pumps me up. I don't even listen to the words, but this is ACDC, but they're not All the right. big hair guys. But um uh kickstart my heart. Molly, is that Molly Crew? Molly Crew, yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. So th those songs, like when I'm lifting, I get so pumped up because the energy is so high. Yeah. But I would have to say probably Motley Crue is probably the ones that I literally listened to it like five times yesterday when I was lifting and I was <laughs> when I was working out that song over and over again, because, you know, it goes on another song. I can't remember whatever song it is, but I go back to <laughs> kickstart my heart because it just so it kicks me up it, and it makes it me is. lift harder. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. The, the crew is definitely my favorite. Uh, Mac or PC? Oh, definitely PC. I've been told I've been around ministry for so long. You go. I've been around ministry for so long. So many pastors and people that, oh man, you got to go to Mac and switch. I'm like, I don't want to learn anything new. PC works just fine for me. And I own everything in PC. But people say, well, I used to think the same way as you, but I, I saw the light and I know Mac is better. I'm like, that's great. Good for you. I'll probably never change. So I've literally been PC my entire life. All right, so a uh, uh, second part of that question, Android or iPhone? Oh, without a doubt, Android. iPhone's stupid. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I can't stand the iPhone, especially, so I have my Android and I get on text with people and my text, I can't hit a like button or a heart button or whatever, but they, Android, our iPhone people, they hit a like button and it sends me a text and it says liked with quotes 
and whatever the exact same wording in the text. I'm like, oh, that's so irritating. Like, I don't, it doesn't work for me. So here's what I do for my Android friends. I literally just, I, I click whatever their text was and I click copy. So I have that entire thing and I write the word liked and then paste that in there. <laughs> and I know it does not work for Android. So they get the same thing. It says liked in their text so they can see what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that little button for me is like the, the best button to end the text conversation. I don't have to, I'm an iPhone guy. I can see I, that. Yeah. I, I'm a PC, but I like, like iPhone and uh, it is just, you know, there are a lot of people that are over texters and I just like, I'm done. I'm done. done. To talk <laughs> I, I, I acknowledge your comment and liked it. And then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> How have you embarrassed your kids lately? Oh my goodness. I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things to do. In fact, I tell my kids, they say, daddy, you're embarrassing. I'm like, that's daddy's number one job outside yes. of providing for you. I, I guess I got to provide for you. But my favorite thing to do, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Favorite thing to do is to embarrass you. And so let's see. Um, So I, before you and I met Brandon at RubeCon, I had a beard. I mean, it was literally like down to here. It was really long. And um, what I loved to do was I would take the mustache and turn it all the way up like a handlebar mustache. It was so much fun. They hated it. They were always irritated with it. But um, I, any chance that I can, I goof off so that they get embarrassed. It makes me so happy. Everybody else is laughing. And yeah. I just, I just, even though they're laughing at me, if I didn't have kids, I'd be like, oh man, why would I do this? But it's because <laughs> I'm embarrassing my kids. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I like to grow my hair out every five years or so. And when my kids were in junior high, um, I had a ponytail and I had, I was teaching a, a personal finance course at their private school. And so they were so embarrassed to see. It's like, is that your dad? It's like, yeah, he's he's a longer dude. So, uh, what charity do you support, and would like other people to know about? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Well, I definitely give to my church. That's the number one thing. And so, I love tithing to the church. I mean, it's really all God's money. Like literally everything I own, everything I have, we're just stewards of it. And so, give to my church. Number one, another charity that I give to. You know what? I'll be completely honest. And I've grown to where now I give more to my church as opposed to other charities. And here's a big reason. Um, A lot of people, like people who aren't Christians, they're not going to give my church. They're going to give to everything else, all these other charities out there. And with that, you know, I thought, you know, if I'm going to give, let me give to my church, but I do give to uh, Compassion International where they have kids that they, you know, you basically foster, not foster, but like you, you know, help pay for. Yeah. 15 years, you know, international, yes. yeah. Yeah. So I give to compassion, but here's an interesting thing, Brandon. So for the real estate wealth builders conference, that's one business that I'm creating, but what's all, I, I don't know yet. It might come out of this. Um, a foundation might be coming out of this where it's going to be instead of just real estate wealth builders, it's going to be the wealth builders brand. We're going to have multiple conferences like a financial wealth builders, a military wealth builders, a crypto wealth builders events and conferences with that. I was talking to my friend, Tom Sylvester, who was a speaker there at RubeCon, and he is excited about an idea of doing a foundation where anybody who comes to the conference, hey, let's, let's also give. We're here to serve. We're here to give. You guys can give to the Wealth Builders Foundation that we can then help the poor. We can build the houses. We can repair things. Like We can do things as a nonprofit. And so I'm looking forward to exploring that option 
as well. So that's not awesome. there yet, but that's just something that's kind of in my brain of what I want to do. That's great. Um, so tell me about your uh, pitch your real estate course, and we're going to put the link to that course in the comments. So just give me a, a quick pitch on that, and then I'll, I'll wrap things up. Absolutely. So I do have a course that I, I charge money for, but I want to give you another course, my other, my, my, my course literally for free. So my course that I'm going to send it to you, I'll literally give it for free. So if you text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, rental to 33777, rental to 33777, I'll give you my course. It's literally show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to make sure you're building the business right, making $250 a month in passive income, how to scale the business to quit your job. I'll literally show you all that sort of stuff. Then if you want coaching from me, then, then we can talk more about coaching. But that course usually gets people a huge leg up into real estate investing. You could also go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. All one word, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Plus, I give away so much stuff on my podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, the YouTube channel as well. Like it's literally just me teaching how to do all this stuff. So trying to give away as much of this stuff as possible. But if you want my time, then I'll charge you for that. <laughs> there you go. That's great, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing the podcast with us. And uh, we just want to just bless you and, and, and thank you so much for uh, putting that RubeCon on. That was really, um, I think, a blessing to at least 200 people and maybe maybe even more in the coming years. Um, thanks, Thank everybody, for, for listening to the podcast. Uh, this is Brandon. You just listened to Dustin Heiner. Uh, we're going to put his uh, links that he just talked about in the comments. Uh, just We just so appreciate him. And, uh, again, this is Coaching for Profit, where profit equals your potential minus your barriers. Thanks for listening.